This morning, we're going to talk about what it means to wait upon God. And to do that, we're going to look at Habakkuk, this book that you could go to church an entire lifetime and maybe not hear a sermon on Habakkuk. Habakkuk is a minor prophet. And Habakkuk, although very brief in nature, only three short chapters, and as I said, probably a book that you're not running to immediately for your morning devotions, actually has had a profound impact throughout church history. You see, when the Apostle Paul in Romans and Galatians was looking for a passage in order to define the gospel in Romans and Galatians, Of all the passages in the Old Testament Paul could have went to, he went to Habakkuk. He used Habakkuk to help us understand in the New Testament how to define and understand the gospel. It would be centuries later where a man by the name of Martin Luther, who led the Protestant Reformation, would go back to Paul and Romans and Galatians for his understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So who would have thought this short little book called Habakkuk would influence our New Testament understanding of the gospel and ultimately launch the Protestant Reformation? Habakkuk was what was known as a temple prophet. A temple prophet would stand in the temple and you would go to a temple prophet like Habakkuk with your questions concerning God. He would ask the question on your behalf to God and hopefully get an answer. But Habakkuk was tired of asking God the same old question. Habakkuk was looking around Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, and he saw nothing but chaos and brokenness. And it caused Habakkuk to get mad. God, I keep asking. God, I keep crying out. And it's as if you can't hear me. Or just refusing to listen. And Habakkuk is fed up. God, you see what is going on amongst your people. God, you see what is going around in our world and our culture. And it seems as if you do not care. And God teaches him the all-important lesson of waiting upon the Lord. Let's read our passage together. We'll look first at Habakkuk chapter 1. Verses 1 through 4, and then Habakkuk 2, 1 through 4. I know there's some people that are still searching for the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 1. It says, The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. An interesting connection there, what, what, God, what Habakkuk is saying to God. Your law seems like it's paralyzed. Nobody is following you or following your law and all chaos has broken loose. An interesting connection in our cultural moment of what happens when people ignore God and ignore his word. Habakkuk says as if the word of God, the law has been paralyzed. Therefore, justice does not go forth and justice goes forth perverted. 
Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. I will take my stand, this is Habakkuk speaking, at my watch post and station myself at the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And then the Lord answered me, write the vision and make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait. It surely will come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. But the righteous, the righteous shall live by faith. And the grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our Lord, it stands forever. Amen. I want to ask an honest question this morning. Who likes to wait? Who likes to wait? God has given me certain spiritual gifts. Waiting is not one of them. I do not like to wait. I do not like to wait when the Wi-Fi goes down. I do not like to wait for a table at a restaurant. I do not like to wait in a traffic jam. I do not like to wait at lines at Disney World. I do not like to wait. But on a serious note this morning, I know there are some of you walking through the uncertainties of life walking through the uncertainties of our time, working through personal tragedy and loss, anxiety and distress. And you can resonate this morning with Habakkuk saying, I cry out and it's as, as if you don't listen. I cry out to you and it's as if you are not there. And God says to all of us this morning, wait. Upon the Lord. What does it mean this morning for us as God's people to wait on God? The first thing that I want to point out is that waiting upon the Lord requires a high view. Look at chapter 2 verse 1. Habakkuk says, I'm mad and I'm angry and I'm confused. It seems as if God, you're not listening to my cry. But Habakkuk says, but regardless... I will take my position in the high tower. I will take my position in the high tower. What is the high tower? The high tower was used to see the enemy, to get a perspective on life that you couldn't get at the gate, that you couldn't get at the ground level. And so what Habakkuk is saying, literally, we need to understand figuratively. In the chaos and the troubling times of our lives, and in our culture, we need to take a high view. We need to climb into the watchtower so that we can see to our right and to our left, Christians, we have never been called to interpret our own current circumstances on the ground level in the chaos of this world and of this culture. But the people of God have always been called to rise above the, the skyline, to rise above the trees, and to get into the watchtower and take our stand in order to navigate this world and all of the craziness of this life. We need to climb into the watchtower to have a perspective the perspective of God and not the perspective of this world. 
That's why we're going through this sermon series from Genesis to Revelation. Because we can't understand God and his word by reading it in bits and pieces. But we need to understand the story of God from beginning to end. And allow our worldview to be shaped by all of scripture. So that we can look at the world and look at our life. And understand that God is faithful past, present, and future. You see, the reason why you and I need the Word of God more than just Sunday morning is because you need to be constantly reminded of His faithfulness. You need to climb into the watchtower. And I want to ask you, when's the last time just you and God, God alone, that you climbed into the watchtower with God to give you a perspective that was above the sun and not below it. In order to wait upon the Lord will require you to get away from the ground level, to get away from the noise, to get away from the clutter and the chaos of this life and rise above it. It requires a, a high view to gain perspective to what God is doing. But the second thing that we see here in this passage is that waiting on God not only requires a high view, it also requires patience which by nature you and I have very little of. Look at verse 3 of chapter 2. God says, For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. What God is saying to Habakkuk is that waiting on the Lord requires you to understand this principle. I am never early and I am never late. But my vision... The vision that I have given you, that I will be at work, that I will come back to right all wrongs, that I will come back to bring about justice and to make things right again in this world and in your lives will come at the perfect time. Listen to me. The patience required to wait on the Lord is a reminder to us every day that God is never early and God is never late. That what seems slow to you is God's appointed hour and time. We are called to wait upon him. You see, you know the child that one hour into a family vacation says, are we there yet? Deep down inside, we are all that little child, just grown up and sophisticated. But deep down inside all of us, when life gets hard and life gets difficult, we, like that child, cry out and say, God, are you done yet? God, have we arrived? God, are you on the move? And the problem with our impatience is we miss what God is doing. You see, it is, our, it is the calling to be patient when we're waiting upon the Lord that allows us to embrace the truth that God is God and we are not. It allows us to be honest and embrace the truth that we are not omniscient, that we don't have all the answers, but God does. It also allows us, when we patiently wait on the Lord, to embrace what God is doing. You know, I often hear people say in the midst of adversity, I can't wait to get through this. But have you ever stopped and asked the question, God, what are you trying to teach me? 
that it might actually be God's sanctifying work in the midst of the trial, that it actually might be God's sanctifying work. And so when God says to Habakkuk, if it seems slow, wait for it, because you don't want to miss what God is doing that he might very well be exposing an idol, exposing sin in your life that you would have never been able to deal with if it wasn't for this momentary suffering or this momentary trial. Listen to me. Adversity in your life does not mean that God is not at work. That is bad theology at best. To believe that when you are suffering or when you go through adversity that God is not at work or God is silent. It actually might be God's very means of going through the adversity. That God might be revealing himself to you in brand new, fresh ways that you've never seen before. You can wait on him with a patience where you are reminded that God is God and we are not. We can wait on God with patience, embracing the true reality that I cannot be on the throne of my life, but that throne is reserved for one, God himself. So waiting on the Lord requires a high view. Waiting on the Lord requires patience. But third, waiting on God requires utter dependence. Verse 4 gives us a picture of two different types of people. On the one hand, God says there is an individual in this world that when they go through adversity, they have a puffed up soul. That person having a soul that is puffed up is not right. They are imbalanced. They are not level. Now, what are they puffed up with? They're puffed up of pride puffed up with self-dependence and self-reliance. They are the individual that they, when they go through trial and adversity, say, I don't need anyone. I will take matters into my own hands. And what God is saying to Habakkuk is that person not being upright will eventually fall over. It will lead to more destruction and more confusion and more chaos. The soul that is puffed up is as if somebody is, says in our modern vernacular, that person has a really big head. They are so full of pride and full of themselves, they won't rely on anyone, especially an unseen God. But God says the other person going through adversity is the person who relies solely on God through faith. God says, the righteous, as opposed to the self-centered, self-reliant individual, is the righteous person. Who is the righteous person? It's the person that has been justified by God. The righteous person is the child of God. And God is saying, this is how my children act in the midst of adversity. They do not act by taking matters into their own hands. But that my righteous children who have been justified live by faith alone. They live with an utter dependence where they wake up every day and they say, I can't, but my God can. The idea of faith here and all throughout the Bible will eventually be defined for us in the New Testament 
Faith is hope in which, what, in which something that can't be seen. Faith in what can't be seen. And that is why faith and utter dependence is so hard for you and me. Because it's hope in something that cannot be seen. You see, I'd rather take matters into my own hands because I believe and I buy the lie that when I take matters into my own hands, it will get done on my time, it will be very efficient, and it will be successful in the end. If I give up my needs and give up my trials and give up my problems to someone else, it will never get done. And that lie is from the pit of hell. Habakkuk says that leads nowhere but death. But you want to live and you want to wait upon the Lord. My people wait upon me with an utter dependence. But how can we still know? Don't we want some kind of guarantee? I mean, pastor, you're just asking me to to put my hope and put my faith and put my trust into this unknown God. I mean, you're basically telling me to, to cast my lot this morning, but how different is it from any other worldview or religion? I mean, they all tell their people to, to, to cast their lot and to put their hope in, in their God and their worldview and their religion. Why? Why should this be any different? Because this and this alone is guaranteed to us. Look at verse 2 in chapter 2. When the Lord answers Habakkuk, he says, write this vision, this word that I'm about to give you, he says, make it plain on tablets. That was God's way of telling Habakkuk, write it down. It's guaranteed. Because you can't erase a tablet. You can't erase something once it's been inscribed on stone. This was God's way of building the word of God. That the prophets would write these words down. That the apostles in the New Testament would write it down. It's what eventually gave us the Old and New Testament. But it was God's way of telling Habakkuk, you can mark these words down and I am staking my name and reputation on the line. That it would forever remain on those tablets So that years from now and centuries from now, when you begin, when my people doubt whether I'm at work or not, whether my people doubt whether they can hear me, they can go back to my word and be reminded that God has called his people to write these truths down so that they can always be reminded of his faithfulness. And you see, it would be centuries later, after Habakkuk writes this promise down, that this promise would ultimately be fulfilled at the cross of Jesus Christ. Because it would be on the cross of Jesus Christ, where Jesus would cry out to God, Father, how long, O Lord? And there would be utter silence. It would be on the cross that God the Father would turn his back upon God the Son So that you and I, through faith alone, might forever live with the promise that God would never forsake us or abandon us. So in those seasons and in those trials of adversity in our lives, for those that look upon Jesus Christ by faith alone, we can have the promise that Jesus the Son was abandoned so that I would never be abandoned by him. So that when we cry out, How long, O Lord? 
we would simply be able to look at the cross and be reminded that God the Father did not even spare his son, how much more would he give us all things? Maybe you're here this morning or watching online and you sense that something is happening in your life. You say, yes, my life has been one story of adversity after the next. You say, pastor, I am living in the midst of darkness right now. And it might very well be possible that what you sense happening is the Spirit of God coming to you for the first time and saying for the first time, you don't have to justify your life and you don't have to justify yourself for the very first time in the midst of your darkness, in the midst of your adversity, God is calling you by the power of the Holy Spirit to rest to rest upon the work of Jesus Christ on your behalf so that you can forever sing in Christ alone, my hope is found. But maybe you're here this morning and you've been walking with Jesus for years, but you're going through a difficult time. It might be a difficult time personally. It might be a difficult time at home. Listen to me. For that individual this morning, struggling in this season, Maybe trying to have children, but to no avail. Maybe you have a child battling addiction. Maybe you feel like you are stuck in a difficult marriage. Maybe you can't find that someone. Maybe you're dealing with a sickness. Maybe you're a teenager this morning, struggling to find purpose and identity. Maybe you're no longer excited about work and your career. Or maybe just things have gotten so bad, you've lost all purpose and meaning to live. Listen to me. There is only one place, only one place in which you can have the hope, the utter hope, and that is found in the cross of Jesus Christ. Only at the cross and that great and glorious reminder that God will never abandon us and he will never forsake us. It is in Jesus and Jesus alone that we have the power and the peace to wait on God. A pastor was called in by a Christian family to do a house blessing. If you've never participated in a, a, a blessing for a new home, it's a powerful thing. And the pastor was brought into this Christian family and into their new home to give a blessing in all of the rooms. And the pastor began with the foyer and he said, I bless this foyer. May it be a place that when people enter this home, they're, they're greeted with warmth. It's a place of, of warm hospitality. And then the pastor moved on to the dining room and he said, may this, may this dining room be a place of great conversation and spiritual formation. And then the pastor moved to the living room and he said, may this living room be a place of refreshment, a place of fellowship. And then the pastor moved to the bathroom and that's where it seemed like the blessing went off the rails. First of all, it could, it's hard to fit everybody in the bathroom and the bathroom's the place where think, less than desirable things happen, but... All of a sudden, the pastor turned to the mirror in the bathroom and he said, bless this mirror so that anyone who looks in this mirror in the reflection back to them, they would realize as one who is the beloved of God. Listen to me. If you know Jesus this morning, then every day and every morning, you have the power and the capacity to wake up and look yourself in the mirror 
And the reflection back to you is not a person who is defined by their resume. The person looking back to you is not defined by what they've done or left undone. But if you are in Jesus this morning, you have the power and the capacity to stare that mirror and look at that mirror and see the reflection of one who is defined by what Jesus has done for them on the cross of Calvary. And that, brothers and sisters, is the greatest news you could ever hear. And the only power that will allow you in your life of distress and in your life of anxiety to wait upon the Lord. He served us 2,000 years ago. He serves you today. And you have the promise this morning that he will serve you forever. In Christ alone, and only in Christ alone, can you have a high view. In Christ alone, can you be patient. And in Christ alone, can you be utterly dependent and wait on God. God said, write it down. It's guaranteed.